0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of the Kinseido Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Joe, and today I have a very special guest joining us all the way from the United States, Dr. Paul Kolotik. Dr. Paul is not only an esteemed emergency doctor, but also the author of the groundbreaking book, The Continuous Glucose Monitoring Revolution. Today we'll dive deep into how Dr. Paul has helped thousands of patients utilize continuous glucose monitors to transform their lives. Through his experience, he has empowered individuals to shed unwanted pounds and prevent or reverse a multitude of metabolic diseases, such as hypertension, high cholesterol, pre-diabetes, GERD, sleep apnea, fatty liver disease, and many more. As you know, on the Kinseido Corner Podcast, I'm passionate about providing practical tips and knowledge to help you live your healthiest, happiest, and highest performing life. Dr. Paul's invaluable advice and wealth of experience are sure to guide us towards achieving that goal. So, grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and get ready to embark on this journey as we uncover the wonders of continuous glucose monitoring and explore how it can revolutionize your well being. Okay, welcome back to Kinsado Corner, ladies and gentlemen. The, this is the podcast where I explore the realms of functional fitness, health, and high performance. And today's episode is a special milestone episode. It's number 50 in this podcast. So that's a that's a big one for me. Um, didn't think I'd get here when I started this three years ago. So thank you all for still being around and <clears throat> and listening to my podcast. So as you know, if you've been listening to this show regularly, Mostly, I'm uh, lucky enough to have some incredible guests that are either friends of mine or individuals from the functional fitness community here in Indonesia um, or my personal network. and i I hope that the stories and the insights that they have been telling and sharing with us over these last fifty episodes have been able to push you to your to your limits and help you strive to be the healthiest and happiest that you can be. But every now and then, and today is such an occasion, I have the great honor of having uh, guests from beyond my immediate circle, um, experts who have a wealth of knowledge and special skill sets in fields that are directly related to our pursuit of health and fitness, uh, health and peak performance. Uh, And today is, as I said, such an occasion. And I'm very, very excited to have Dr. Paul Kolotzik on this uh, call. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you very much. And I'm very honored
0: to be your 50th guest fantastic fantastic um so why don't you um talk a little bit about yourself paul and um maybe what what you do um what brought you to what brought you to um to want to be on on my little show that'd be i'd be really i'd personally be interested and i hope also the listeners will find it interesting um and then from there we can swing into the topic of today's discussion which will be around diet and blood sugar but i i I'd more happily let you take the reins on that.
1: Sure. Well, well thank you very much again for having me on your podcast. Um, my, my background is as an emergency physician. So I live in Ohio in the Midwest in the States, um, and uh, I have worked for 25 years in the emergency department. Um, and uh, a lot of what I've seen in the emergency department over the years, all the disease, you can imagine, I've seen a lot of people in crises, heart attacks, strokes, congestive heart failure, um, diabetic emergencies. Um, and uh, what brought me to metabolic health and focusing on insulin resistance and blood sugar is just the exceptional amount of disease we see, not just in the States, but all over the world uh, from vascular disease. So basically, blood vessel lining disease. Um, When our blood vessel linings get inflamed and and then get irritated and get clogged, that leads to all the problems that I just mentioned. Um, And and what I discovered in that career in the emergency department is that there were really two issues that, that brought a majority of our patients in. You know, the overdoses and the gunshot wounds get all the press in the emergency department. But what emergency physicians see day in and day out all day long are those vascular problems and and really these are largely preventable um it's largely a matter of controlling your blood glucose so that it's a flatter line as opposed to spikes all over the place um, and controlling your associated weight and those two things have a relationship to each other um and, and uh, what I do now in my private metabolic health practice is help people address those issues. and And, as you know, Joe, um we use continuous glucose monitors as a key tool in that process.
0: Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> thank you, thanks, Paul. And uh, that's really interesting. And I definitely want to get into the the con- continuous glucose monitors. Um, let's just say CGM because I have a I struggle with that long word. so I, yeah, I want to get sure. into the cGMs um, later, but, uh, I, if I if I may dig into the kind of the emergency um, the emergency services um, aspect that you mentioned first, that I find that really interesting because as you say, um, gunshot wounds or fatal uh, I'm sorry not fatal or accidents car accidents yeah. all of that those obviously right everyone associates that with yeah sure you you've been shot so you need to go to the you need to go to the to the ER now people probably don't think, oh, I need to go to the ER because I've been having candy for the last 30 years. Um, is, that, is that what you're saying it is?
1: That's exactly what I'm saying it is. It's like the, these are largely preventable diseases, um, but quite honestly, and I, and I mean this and in, in not in a negative way, but 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 here in the States and I think around the world, people don't have the knowledge base to understand what their diet um, and their blood sugar and their associated insulin resistance is doing to them in terms of uh, causing these very common chronic diseases, hypertension, high cholesterol, these vascular issues. Um, And and really my, my passion in life now is to get the word out to people so they begin to understand the importance of this, and really how they can reverse metabolic health problems. And I know you have a young, healthy population, uh, um, and, and I work with that population. But I also work with the metabolic syndrome population, which is the you know the overweight, hypertensive, high cholesterol uh, uh, person with a you know increased waist circumference. Um, and, and simply by lowering their blood sugar and stabilizing their blood sugar that they can reverse many of these problems and even eliminate many of these problems, even get off medications that they have been prescribed. Um, but but th- there there is yet to be, I think, a really good understanding of of how people do that. And, and part of there's a reason for part of this, and I'm going to go into a little bit of the historical thing. And again, I don't know exactly the background in indonesia but though i did i got to tell you i did google the indonesia food pyramid before we got on this um and it has some similarities mm-hmm. to the u.s but but um in, in in historically what happened was fat was vilified you know mm-hmm. going back to the 70s and 80s it's like it's got you, everything you eat has to be low fat reduced fat And of course, what did we do then? Our diet went from 25% carbs to 50% carbs. And our fat went from 50% to 25%. And it's unmistakable that at that point in the U.S. at least, and I think to some degree around the world, the the epidemics of diabetes and obesity just took off. I mean, it's unmistakable. Food pyramid comes in, you know, avoid fats, eat carbs... And and we begin this journey, which was endorsed by the government and endorsed by, um, and I'm not going to vilify the food processors, but, you, you know, cheap, cheap, profitable foods consist of uh, seed oils, refined wheat, and sugar. Uh, and, and we were told to embrace that because we weren't allowed to have fat anymore. Really, what I'm advocating, it, it, using CGMs and evaluations of insulin resistance, etc., is is that we just go back to doing really what we have done for hundreds and thousands of years uh, in, in terms of a properly balanced diet that is not overloaded with carbs
0: yeah yeah that's i mean everything you just said resonates completely with me and it, it is well first of all um it is how i also grew up right i'm i'm a i'm a child of the 80s uh, so my my parents to no fault of theirs fed me mostly bread right bread rice um and then and and that was in germany growing up in germany but also now being here in indonesia i i also see rice being well rice a it's the staple food um b it's cheap and um and and that's that's a that's a huge consideration for a large majority of the population um and and it tastes good right white rice is is a is a nice food so so yeah you definitely have the same problems that as you, that you pointed out uh from the US you have them here in Asia perhaps it's not rice in in the states maybe it's bread maybe it's pasta i don't know what is the what the staple exactly potatoes yeah potatoes right the the staple um the staple simple carbs so to say but but yeah it's definitely it it is the basis of of people's of of people's main calories and yeah. And that has led to this, uh, to the situation that we have now. One other thing I, I would, I would say, and that's something I've noticed with the nutrition space, with also with the fitness spaces, typically Indonesia or maybe Asia in general is a little bit behind and not in a bad way, but basically behind the trends in the U S so whatever happens in the West first, it takes a few years for the knowledge, as well as the kind of the the fad the trend to to trickle down so this whole avoidance of carbs um is only starting to come here and it's mostly people think about it it's only for weight for weight loss reasons no one's really thinking about the things that you probably mentioned uh, and will mention it's it's all about um i need to go keto in order to lose weight it's not no one's thinking of health
1: um So, so really the crux of this issue is the insulin resistance issue. So can we talk about that for a few minutes?
0: Definitely. Let's get into that. Yeah. Okay. All
1: all right. So um, I'm going to kind of explain, I I have a kind of super simple explanation for insulin resistance, um, which I'd like to review with people. So, For for the majority of people um, that are overweight and some that are not overweight, but metabolically unhealthy with those problems, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, the issue is insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. So you hear this term thrown around, what is insulin resistance? So what happens is if you have a higher proportion of your diet in carbohydrates, which we have had for the last 50 years, any carbohydrate you eat except for fiber immediately becomes blood glucose in your system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though you think, oh, I'm eating a fruit, I'm eating a pear, that's healthy. Well, it's got fructose in it, which becomes glucose. And then it has what's called complex carbohydrates in it. It has some fiber and fiber is good. But fiber passes through you and is a good component of carbohydrates. But the vast majority of carbohydrates, as soon as you eat them, they just become blood glucose in your system. So as blood glucose rises and you eat more carbs than you have, we have as a, uh, you know, as we have traditionally, then that blood sugar stays higher for a period Mm -hmm. of time. So, you know, when blood sugar is in the system, that initially is an okay thing. The pancreas releases insulin. I know everybody's heard the term insulin but pancreas is the key that is put in the lock to allow that blood glucose into your organs. And when we talk about organs and tissues today, let's talk about muscles because that, that really is one of the largest organs. So so far so good, that glucose gets let, it, let into the muscles that will you know help you know for with muscle contraction provides energy etc. But the problem is is that if your carbs are at a high level, if your carb ingestion is at a high level persistently, then um, that blood sugar is higher than it needs to be. And soon those muscles get all the energy they need. They've got plenty of glucose. they have stored glucose called glycogen. And and at that point, um, they don't want to listen to the insulin signal anymore. The pancreas doesn't get the message. The pancreas keeps putting out insulin, but the muscles in the organs start resisting that insulin. They say, hey, what, We've got plenty of blood glucose here. We don't need any more blood glucose. Insulin, we are not going to listen to you anymore. And so what happens? That blood glucose has to go somewhere. And where does it go? It goes to the liver and gets converted to fat. So really, it's eating carbs that make people overweight. It's not eating fat that makes people Mm. overweight. So that extra blood glucose persistently elevated for a period of time because of insulin resistance gets converted to fat. And then it gets deposited around the middle in visceral fat, the fat in the stomach, a, inside the abdominal cavity and otherwise. So that's what insulin resistance is. My goal is to work with patients with diet and exercise. And, and we'll talk about this, Joe, uh, strength training decreases insulin resistance as well. So that's why I'm a big strength training fan and with less emphasis on cardiovascular. So I'm, I'm a like... Outlier doc, because you'll hear two things from me. Don't worry about the fat you eat, and yeah, you got to do some cardiac training. But what I really care about is that you need to be in the weight room. So it, you know, it it's really on the spectrum, on the far spectrum here.
0: Wonderful, um, and yeah, we are 100 aligned on that. I love that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and so, and especially true in older people because you know we lose muscle mass as we age, anyways. Um, But my goal is to working with people with low-carb diets using continuous glucose monitors um, to help lower that blood sugar. And what happens when you lower that blood sugar a little bit? Well, now now your tissues, your organs, your muscles are in the opposite position. They're looking around for energy. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like the blood glucose is low or maybe not quite enough blood glucose around. What are we going to use for energy? Oh, and then they look down at the middle section and say oh, there's fat there, okay? There's fatty tissue that can be broken down to fatty acids. That can be our source of energy. If you carry that to an extreme or, or to an aggressive point, you become keto because uh, fatty acid breakdown creates ketones. But basically, it's those fatty acids that become the fuel. And, and that's when you reduce insulin resistance and you lose, lose weight. Um, so so really, that, that really, in essence, is the program... It, it, The simplest way to think about it is the bear in winter or in the fall. It's out, you know, forging on berries and roots, um, fattening up, laying down all this visceral fat. Um, and, And then during the winter, it doesn't eat for three or four months and it lives off fatty acids. That's really kind of what we're trying to emulate here. The bear comes out in the spring and it's skinny. We don't do that. We just have a tendency to keep eating carbs. But what we're trying to do is those carbs low so we're doing what the bears are doing while sleeping and that's breaking down fatty acids to use for energy to improve health decrease insulin resistance
0: and lose weight okay okay so when when you when you say when you advocate for a for a low carb um what what percentages are you I, i i like to i like to give Real yeah, practical sure. recommendations to to, to yeah. the listeners. So, w- what what do you have in mind there? Is it is it a percentage of total calories, or is it a, a strict yeah. limit? Let's say hundred grams a day, or where yeah. so where I, do you draw the line?
1: I like to, yeah. Look, I can give you the numbers. Um, I I um, like to keep things relatively simple my patients. Um, and, and and that is this, and, and I'm going to, I'd like to at some point talk about the process by which we fully evaluate patients for insulin resistance and use the CGMs, et cetera. Um, but, but the therapeutic goal usually is, you know, uh, a macronutrient mix of about uh, 10 to 15% carbohydrates, 50 to 55% fat, and, and the rest protein. So what I do from a pragmatic level with my patients is I like to limit their carbs and the numbers I like to use, if we get them there, now if somebody comes in eating, you know, 350 grams of carbs a day, which some people in the States do, then Mm -hmm. we have to kind of move a little bit incrementally. But what I usually like to do is get my patients to 35 to 50 grams of carbs a day. Okay. At least hundred to 125 grams of protein. I know that you're probably Mm -hmm. a big advocate of that and probably even Mm -hmm. suggested times may be higher than that for people that are strength training. Um, and and then I don't really care about the fat that much. Again, mm-hmm. you, you know, the fat, it's like, it gets too complicated. Keep your carbs under 50, keep your protein over 100, 125, and let's not worry about the fat. Now we do talk about eating good fats versus bad, bad fats. I make patients aware of that. Avoid the seed oils, you know, gravitate to the healthy oils like olive oil um, and, and you know, proteins that contain healthy oils like fish, fish and, and certain types of meat. Um, but, but the numbers are 50 grams of carbs or less or 125, 100, 125 protein or more. Um, and, and and I actually don't worry about calories that much. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've been treating patients for seven years and, you know, we look at calories a little bit, but actually not, we don't follow calories and fat a lot. Mm -hmm. It's really all about limiting the carbs and getting adequate protein.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, um, that's a very, a very useful yardstick. I suspect, or um, if people, especially uh, as we talked about earlier, people in Asia eat a lot of rice. When they start looking at that, 50 grams a day is a very, very difficult. <laughs> is a very, very low, yeah. low number to yeah. to shoot for. Um, do you adjust that depending on um, exercise load, uh, for example, um, or or um, or any other any other considerations?
1: Yeah, I'm fully aware that, you know, carbs have been a foundation um, for athletes and, you know, competitive athletes um, going all the way back to the 70s when the the book, and I don't know if you remember this, there's a book called Eat to Win uh, way back in the 70s that was all about carb loading. Mm -hmm. So I I understand that. And when my patients are strength training and, and working out, we talk about that. Part of what we do is a certain type of carb cycling which suggests that you get the carbs that you need, you know, before your workouts, yeah. um, to, to help facilitate your workouts. Um, and, and again, I, I know that the 50 grams of carbs are, uh, is a limited number, you know, but, but keto is 20 or less mm, and mm. people do that. And I do work with my patients to move incrementally to that. But I will tell you that that people that are focused on so people that are focused on weight loss probably need to be in that fifty gram range. Mm-hmm. If weight loss is not the issue and you're just looking for stability of your blood sugar uh, and your insulin levels, then then a higher uh, limit is appropriate seventy five to one hundred or even one hundred twenty five grams of carbs a day.
0: Okay, okay, that that's good to know. And I guess that leads us nicely into the, the whole topic of the CGMs and, and basically monitoring, basically knowing, knowing what number is good for you. Um, how, how do you. How do you think about that? Or how do you, uh, I think, as I mentioned earlier, kind of trends that are happening in the West come a bit later to here. So I, I, I have not seen anyone in Indonesia or in Asia, other than diabetics, um, using cgms i don't i don't think that is in people's consciousness yet
1: yeah.
0: things may be different in the states um, maybe due to your work or, or maybe just um, uh, having having seen athletes wear them or whatever it is that that makes people pay attention um, but do you think they are really necessary for everybody or is it is it a, a, a something you would you would say people should have for a month just to kind of figure things out and then and then then they know and then they can can go on based on what they've learned how do you think about this
1: sure so let's talk about that i'm going to tell you a, a good way to to i think address that is the process that i use with my patients um so i'm going to i am going to use this as a little bit of an opportunity to to say everything that you want to know about glucose monitor use um, you you know, for non-diabetics is in the book, which I think is why you contacted me initially. So I'm going to make a little plug here. Uh, The name of the book is the continuous glucose monitor revolution for non-diabetics. It's on Amazon. So again, just continuous glucose monitor revolution for non-diabetics, or you can search my Mm -hmm. name on Amazon and it'll come up. Um, But this is, this is how I use the CGMs. First of all, I I think a limited evaluation with CGMs is valuable for anybody to see where you are. So what happens is I I bring patients in and do an initial intake um, and put a continuous glucose monitor on them for two weeks. I call it a CGM try. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, what we do at that time is check their insulin resistance. So a common... uh, uh, excuse me, a very, very good test, which is not commonly done, is just a fasting insulin level. Um, And I do that routinely. You know, we have cholesterol phobia in the States here. Everybody's afraid of cholesterol when the bigger problem for most people is insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we do a fasting insulin level. If you draw a fasting insulin level and a simultaneous fasting blood glucose You can calculate an exact level of insulin resistance with a calculation called a HOMA-IR, H-O-M-A-I-R, if your listeners Mm -hmm. want to look that up. It's an acronym for homeostatic model of insulin resistance. And the reason those two have a relationship is because if your insulin's up a little bit, it should be forcing your blood glucose down. Um, So so you plug those two numbers into a formula and you get an exact level of insulin resistance. So the initial evaluation consists of following curves with a two-week trial with the CGM and then doing this evaluation of insulin resistance. You we, we check cholesterol levels too, we do all that. And, and that really gives people an exact idea of you know, where their numbers are and if they have issues. Because with the CGM, you know, 24-7 reading of exactly where your blood glucose is. The way these things work, and I put mine on, okay, to, to mm-hmm. show your listeners for those that are audio, uh, excuse me, those are video. Um uh so, so w- how they work is there's a little sensor under the skin, it picks up the blood glucose level in the nearby capillaries, that gets transmitted to a smartphone. Here's one of my not so great looking spikes, mm-hmm. uh, which uh it you know we see you know periodically in our patients um and and then that data gets transferred of course to a smartphone app so so 24 7 you can eat something and immediately see what it's doing to your diet um so i use the cgms i use the term diagnostically for a couple weeks along with the insulin evaluation to to help people understand exactly where um their level of insulin resistance is and then uh we use them all therapeutically. So we move from a diagnostic phase to a therapeutic phase to, to help guide diet. You asked about the value of it um, on an ongoing, continual basis. And that uh, is dependent kind of on what people's curves look like. If they don't have much insulin resistance, if their curves are pretty flat, um, then you, you know it has less value. But, you know, my patient population in my practice, I attract overweight metabolic syndrome patients. So the majority of my patients have irregularity and issues there. Um, and so I'm going to mention two things from a physiological standpoint. One is just what we talked about before, about if you can decrease those spikes and decrease your overall averages, you're decreasing your insulin resistance. Um, and then um, the other significant thing is the variability in and of itself. So, you know, people are familiar with the term sugar crash, um, you, you know, and, and people can reduce their fatigue. You know, I'm not going to say that this is a panacea for everything, but but I'll be honest with you. It's like you you, de- you get rid of those spikes and you decrease your variability. People decrease their fatigue because they are not dealing mm-hmm. with that. Um, they they increase their energy levels. You, you know there there's a brain fog issue associated with that variability as well that that can improve. And then as people lose weight, a variety of other symptoms improve. You, you, you know even you know GERD symptoms, fatty liver disease, um, not to mention the silent things that we don't always see like high blood pressure and high cholesterol. You, you know and and with the decrease in sugar, even bone and joint. Uh, inflammation can decrease because, you know, for people that, for example, have knee pain, it's not only the extra weight they're carrying around, it's that the blood sugar is high and that cartilage is getting what's called glycosylated. It's getting glucose molecules attached to it and that causes inflammation. So my goal with people is to take them from these variable curves to a, a flatter line to reverse their insulin resistance, help them lose weight and improve their health. And and if you have a young, thin, healthy person that doesn't have a lot of variability, the CGMs are of less value long-term. But for the majority of people, they're very useful.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, maybe my understanding of them is, is, is not fully developed yet, but you would always have spikes unless you really do not eat carbs, unless you're on a full kind of, keto diet where 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 the foods you eat do not cause any kind of um, uh, rising and and falling off of the blood sugar is isn't it?
1: It, it will, um there there are a lot of nuances to this. um and uh, what, one of those is uh, uh, it, let me just give you some variables. Um, if you eat more fiber, for example, with whatever carbs you eat, that slows carb absorption, so that's going to flatten your mm-hmm. carbs. So if you eat protein with your carbs, that does the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Even the sequence with which you eat your food can impact um, how variable your carbs are. You, you know, if if you eat, for example, protein before you eat your carbs, then you're going to mute the that variability. So it is a combination of not only, you know, the absolute number of keeping your carbs low, um, but, but following eating patterns as well, um, that, that help maintain that stability. Um, and, and so, you know, again, I think these CGMs are very, very useful tools for everybody to have a look at what's going on with their physiology Um, But again, my patient population is, you know, some people that are, that are usually overweight. And so we are looking to lower those carbs and, and, and get them burning
0: fat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Obviously there, there are, there are people in in my audience as well, who who may be struggling with weight, but I think as, as far as I know, most are relatively active um, individuals who, who, who use carbs in order to, fuel um relatively intense training so so from that point of view i i at least that was my understanding i was expecting a certain curve uh, rising and falling to be normal as long as after uh, after a spike after an increase in the in the blood sugar or in the glucose you actually put that to use um a, a,
1: everybody wants everybody should stabilize these numbers mm-hmm. high spikes are generally not good the variability is not good So what you want really is, is a slower sustained rise um, as a result if, if for example you're training um and, um and 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 that approach is entirely appropriate but everybody, should want to decrease the variability to the degree they can. Um, that will improve performance. Okay. I mean, you, if you're, for example, getting ready for an intense workout session, it, you, you don't want it, it's hard to time, you, you mm. know, a, a carb load. Okay. Mm. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can carb load right beforehand, but you may go up like this and then down like this. Mm. Because what happens is blood sugar spikes insulin gets released, insulin often overshoots the mark, and then you end up with this variability from you, you know, a, a blood glucose of 160 milligrams per deciliter to 70 milligrams per deciliter. So th- that's not good. But if you if you ingest carbs in, in a manner so that you get a lower rise in, in a sustained period of time, uh, then that can augment and, and facilitate your workout have you guys, have you on any of your podcasts talked about the concept of glycemic index at all?
0: Um, no, not on the podcast, but I, I am familiar with uh, with the concept and, and and basically looking for the high GI or looking for the low GI versus high GI foods. Hello friends. I trust you're enjoying this episode but I hope you don't mind this quick interruption for a brief sponsorship message. Today's episode is sponsored by the Kinsetho Fitness Nuggets, my very own monthly newsletter that delivers bite-sized, proven and actionable health and fitness tips ranging from sleep to nutrition and mental energy to training, right to your inbox. If you enjoy my podcast conversations and the tips and tricks regularly shared here by my amazing guests, then I'm sure you'll also love the Fitness Nuggets, You'll only get one every month, so it won't plug up your inbox. To sign up, simply head over to slash nuggets and you'll get the very next one. And now, right back to my guest. So, okay, so we were talking about um, about basically managing the managing the curve, so to say, and uh, and the fact that that you don't want spikes, even even if you are planning on using that glucose so to say um so in let's say in in my particular case or in the case of most of my audience um we we typically train um several times a week possibly even every day um at, at different times of the day i mean that's individual but how should i be let's say i'm, I'm i typically train around the late morning how should i be thinking about um about, yeah, timing my glucose, so to say, if if at all.
1: So I would follow the concept of glycemic index. Um, obviously, I'm I'm sure your listeners are focused on protein intake around the time of their workouts or just after the workouts, mm-hmm. that an anabolic uh, window period. Um, but but my suggestion would be to look at. Uh, lower glycemic index foods, which usually contain some fiber, okay, because that slows the absorption Mm -hmm. of the carbs, uh, along with some protein before your workouts, and then, of course, some additional protein maybe later or after your workouts, Mm -hmm. Um, and that will lead you to kind of that sustained, uh, you you know, lower peak rather than really these peaks and valleys that wreak havoc with Mm -hmm. your metabolism, Um, so, you know, I would, and, and again, um, that I I have a chapter on glycemic index in the book and maintaining this stability, which is pertinent, not only for, um, you know, people trying to lose weight, but also, you you know, people, um, that are just trying to avoid those spikes and drops. Um, so, um, that would be my suggestion. And, and, you know, I I don't have a training background like you, and I'm not a nutritionist. You know, I came to this from the clinical side. Mm From the emergency medicine side um but have you know just you know over the years with my own strength training and workouts have kind of learned what works and, and so that would be the caveat i would offer your listeners um look at glycemic index incorporate that into your pre-workout meal um and then of course you, you want to you know load the protein that's appropriate
0: okay okay so perhaps before we jump into the the, the topic of of the cgms themselves because um i think i mentioned it to you um perhaps before this conversation it was i've been looking at it um at getting one for myself um for a while and that was before i was before we, we we were in touch before i knew anything about your book um uh, so maybe we can talk about that but just one more thing before we go down to that topic the whole discussion around fruit because obviously people think fruit is good. Um, to be honest, I think fruit is good. Um, I, I, I advocate to all my clients to to eat more fruit. Um, how, how, how do you think about that from, from this, from this perspective of blood sugar management?
1: So, um, great, great topic. When, when you were uh, a boy, your mom told you to eat all your fruits and vegetables, right? Yep. Okay. Well, the the fruits, so so I, I'm an advocate of fruit intake, but I'm an advocate of fruits that have a high amount of fiber in it, just like we were discussing related to the glycemic index issue. So first of all, um, it, you know, again, it depends upon the patient population, young, healthy, you know, more a little more carbs is, is you know, obviously you can be eating a higher proportion of fruits. If I have patients that I'm limited and trying to limit to 50 grams of carbs a day because they're trying to lose 40 pounds, then that's a little bit of a different story. But I will say in general that the fruits that your mom told you to eat are not the fruits that we have today. The fruits today are now largely genetically engineered to have very high fructose in them because that tastes good. And so you have to be careful. Uh, um, related to the fruits, and I think uh, fruit intake is appropriate, um, but but again, it's in the context of glycemic index and the number of carbs you're ingesting altogether. Um, generally, the higher fiber um, fruits with not as much fructose in them have a tendency to be the berry fruits: the strawberries, the blueberries, raspberries. So, um, I encourage my my patients to to gravitate in that direction it, you know again th- there is a, a large amount of fructose in things like grapes pineapple so you really got to be a little bit selective so i'm i'm not going to uh, you know I, I mean i'm not in the low carb camp so much that i say people can't have fruits but but for my patient population i really suggest that they be selective and gravitate toward the berries and and the higher fiber fruits
0: mm, okay okay um and i i'm particularly interested in that because i i typically start start my morning with a with a with a with a blended uh, a blended concoction of fruit and some some vegetables or usually some spinach or kale um yeah. sometimes milk sometimes water but but i do i do tend to have my fruit early in the morning um yeah is that, is that good is that not so good is is that where you would Put it, or does that kind of already set me up to to fail? Uh, so to say,
1: I think having some fruit in the morning in, is fine. Again, I would have a ask people to gravitate toward the higher mm-hmm. um, fiber fruits, and, and I actually, and, and again, I think this applies not only to patients interested in weight loss, but generally, I advocate that my patients get some protein in their first meal mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you're trying to get, you know, and I know a lot of your audience is doing protein shakes and their protein intake gets to their goals. Um, But if you're, for some of my patients, if they're trying to get 100, 125 grams or more of protein in a day, it's important to to make your breakfast in, include a, a moderate amount of protein. So in general, we ask people to try and get 40 grams of protein in with their breakfast. And, and then if you want to include those fruits, you know, that's fine, as long as you keep that in the context of what your overall carb goals are.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, and I think, as you said earlier, I mean, the ultimately the body's response also depends on what are you eating what are you eating the fruits or the, the sugar with as you had mentioned it depends kind of on also what is the combination of fruits uh, or oh, sort of foods so as you said protein is good or adding adding um fiber so um, like oats or um, or a whole whole grain sort of um uh, bread or or i'm not going to say cereal because cereals are sugar loaded but it, you know you know what i mean basically grains yes um, and that, that sort of thing okay um so let's maybe shift uh this is and this is really more of my personal interest rather than knowing what my audience uh, thinks about this but specifically to the cgms do you have do you work with and if you do i'm, I'm happy for you to just say the brand do you work with a specific type do you advocate a specific type do you see differences between between certain brands is one better more accurate less accurate what's your thoughts yeah i'll
1: I'll tell you i think the accuracy of them um is very similar um we have a tendency to use the freestyle libra Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you, you know, again, the one I showed you, people usually use on the back of their arms. You maybe see them on the back of the arms of diabetics. The, uh, my, my opinion is they're a little bit less, less complicated than the Dexcoms or the Guardians. Um, but, and, and you know, their costs for 100, and again, this is in the States, uh, 100% out-of-pocket costs generally for the device itself is only about 75 bucks and Mm -hmm. in the states insurance usually covers it now if you're getting it depending upon where you're getting it from you know it's got to be a prescribed item at least it does in the united states and so you got to have a a a visit with a clinician associated with that for them to prescribe it um so Mm -hmm. for my patients that are on them long term and i just we didn't completely address this i have some patients that put a cgm on their arm and it's like they never want to live without one again. Mm-hmm. you know it's like that they, they want to use a CGM for life. Um and I, then I have others that don't have a lot of curve variability that that you know use them periodically. Um, but usually uh, what we prescribe is the freestyle Libras. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, the, the frequency of their use is kind of dependent upon what, what people's curves look like. But um, I know there are some Internet services that, that can provide those. I, I personally believe this is a bias in mind that, that a doctor and a patient working together, you, you know, long term utilizing CGMs to optimize metabolic health. is really the best approach. And that's the the approach that I advocate in the book. You you know, find a clinician you can work with. You'll find somebody that's knowledgeable in metabolic health and insulin resistance. Um, That's, you know, what I do in in the States here um, and and work with people long-term to optimize their metabolic health and if needed, weight loss.
0: Hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, Freestyle Libra is is definitely one of the one of the brands that i I have heard about as well. Um, there's a there's another brand or model uh, which I guess is maybe more popular in the kind of the athletic community is that it's called Super sapiens. I'm not sure if you've heard of that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's just the organization uh, that has the clinicians and will do visits with people to to uh, prescribe but I, but I believe I'm almost certain they prescribe Freestyle Libre as well. Oh, it's not a separate brand.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So those are kind of the, the ones I was gravitating towards. And, um, and yeah, to be honest, I, like I said, I don't think here in Indonesia, this kind of technology is available on the market yet. Um, so I was, um, yeah, I was looking around how to, get it off off the internet but it's definitely something I'm, I'm interested in and looking into um for me personally i don't think i i would want to be on it continuously i, I i'd want to run what you call your your trial to to just you know find out how my body reacts well first of all see where i am because i i typically feel pretty okay i feel my energy levels are quite stable over the day Um, but, but that might be, I might be wrong or I might, or there might be, it might be okay, but I could maybe still do better. Who knows? Um, yeah, you can optimize it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If I can make just a mention. So in the States, and I don't know where all your listeners are from, but I'm, I'm licensed in Ohio, Indiana, Florida, and Arizona. Um, and so most of my work is telehealth. And so I can do visits with people interested in metabolic health or weight loss, uh in any of those states
0: oh okay that's uh, that's good to know um i i can't tell you whether any of my listeners are in those states but uh, but yeah if if you are guys uh, please uh, do reach out to dr paul if yeah. you're
1: i i imagine not but i thought i'd shit, so. um
0: it that, that's very good well in, in the, name the, practice, if, if it, the name
1: of the practice if i can mention the name of the practice if you want more information on this Please. the the name of the practice is metabolic md's metabolicmds.com i don't can i ask you can you maybe put this on your website of subsequent?
0: course yeah
1: And I, and i can give you all my social media handles where i talk about all this as well so
0: yeah i'll be i'll be happy to um, happy to share that information because i i really think there's a there's still a lack of of that information and that that awareness just uh, especially over here in um in this part of the world and uh, and it's it's really important for for people to know that to also know that it's it really isn't just about losing weight like you say many of your patients it is about losing weight but even for people who are perhaps not overweight or just or, or even young and, and not thinking of long term um risks of of this kind of um situation yet uh, it's definitely something to start thinking about at any age
1: Yeah. Insulin resistance rises as you get older. That's why you see a lot of older people that are, you know, still slender, uh, Mm -hmm. but become diabetic. So, you know, insulin, you know, it's, it's that thing we all battle, just like we lose muscle mass as we age, our insulin resistance has a tendency to rise as we age. Um, And and so it's important for everybody, I think, to be thinking about this Mm long-term and and to utilize a CGM, I think, you know, can be, uh, very useful in terms of setting your thinking on this really for years to come mm. and maybe periodically revisiting it with a cgm in the trial or two week period
0: hmm. yeah that's right um and maybe uh, as we as we wrap up and towards the end um have you noticed uh, let's say individual differences or let's say does everyone react the same to eating a banana or is there no
1: yeah no it, there it, there is great individual variability um, and and that's one of the clues or the important aspects of this. Everybody's a little bit different. And, you know, we talked about fruit. You know, you you may respond to fruit in one way and I may respond to fruit in a different way. And that's why these devices can be so valuable. You know, I, I, I just believe they should not be reserved for diabetics. Mm. You, you know, a lot of times insurance coverage is associated with, you know, whether you're diabetic or even on insulin related to CGMs. I mean, the phrase I use is CGMs are not for diabetic, well, only for diabetics anymore. Yeah. Everybody, it, you know, can, can I think I, I think can benefit from knowing where they are. Yes. Um, it, it's a key to metabolic health as you're getting older. I think it's going to become more and more common uh, that people want to embrace this technology to understand their own physiology and to help guide their diet.
0: Yeah, perfect. Perfect. I think that's a, that's also a good, a good kind of a good place to wrap it up and, and give this, okay. give this as advice to, to everyone who's, who's been listening, um, to really, you know, put, put this, this whole topic to the front of your mind. Um, it's not, it's not just about exercising and, and making sure you stay within your calories. It's also these kind of, um, extra f- additional factors that come that, um, that come into play with, together with your diet so dr paul yes. thank you thank uh, you so much oh can, yes please. can i plug
1: the book one course, more time of course you can uh, of
0: course I, it's i'll be getting con-
1: it all right the continuous glucose monitor revolution for non-diabetics we talked about a lot of the topics we talked about here you, you know basically what is a cgm how to use a cgm there's a little bit of basic macronutrient information in there. We talk about glycemic index. And, and quite as honestly, the last chapter is how CGMs change lives. And quite honestly, at this stage in my career, that's why I'm doing this. I'm passionate about this because I see people's lives change as a result of these devices. You, you put a CGM on your arm and you see a spike, you you can't unsee that. Mm. Um, you, you know, you you know what that donut's going to do to you for mm-hmm. the rest of your life and so the value i think of these devices and quite honestly having a knowledge base and a background which the book provides um i, I think can be very very helpful to people i think it's you know probably if people focus on cholesterol um but but really i think knowing your insulin resistance and knowing how to manage your insulin resistance is just as if not more important
0: perfect yeah thank you thank you thank you for sharing that again so continuous glucose monitor revolution um I'll, I'll be i'll be putting that in the notes and I'll, I'll recommend that as well um to to anyone who's who wants to know and i'll i'll be getting it myself and i think as you mentioned it is it's one of these technology things that may be reserved now but it'll become it'll become more mainstream just like um the aura ring for example with the sleep um yeah. that's yeah that's such a it's such a I think 10 years ago people would have been like, okay, why, what are you doing measuring your sleep? I mean, you, you know, right. You sleep and you know, whether you feel rested or not, yeah. but there are, there are just things that, you know, once you see them, you can't unsee them as, as you said. Uh, and this is, yeah. this is perfect. So once again, Dr. Paul, thank you so much for, for coming on my, on my show and, uh, and, uh, and, and telling us, sharing your your wisdom and your passion uh, with us. I think it's been very, very insightful for everyone. And uh, and, and again, uh, it's an
1: honor to be your 50th guest, and uh, this has been great. Thank you very much.